0: Welcome to the show. I'm Nina Turner, your host, and you are watching Unbossed. Hopefully you tuned in knowing that because if you didn't I would be really concerned about you. Now is the time to call some friends and some frenemies and let them know that one of the best hours of their day is happening right now. And in case you can't let them know right now, just let them know video on demand or all podcasts, wherever they get their podcast, they can catch Unbossed. And I am so elated today to have back to the show, our co-host, the one and only Sharon Reed, a Rebel HQ contributor. Sharon, it is always, and I mean always, fabulous to have you on the show. Just to be in your presence, I salute you, Senator Nina Turner. I
1: just love saying that and I want the friend of me to join too cuz I can't wait for you to get started.
0: <laughs> Thank you, I love it. Look, I'm gonna have to have you with me all the time just to lift <laughs> me up like that. I'm gonna yes. start this all over. Marissa, play, dumb, play, play it all over again. Play the <laughs> intro again. I wanna lead the show and come back. <laughs> That's how Sharon got me feeling right now. Now, all of you, we need you to watch this.
2: I'll be honest. Caring for three shooting victims, plus the other that came in, is not an unfair frequent day for us. To be honest with you, we barely had to adjust our operating room schedule to be able to do this. That's how frequent we are having to deal with gun violence in our community. For 15 years, I've cared for victims of violence and gunshot wounds. And people say I'm tired, but I'll be answered. It's more than tired. I'm weary. There's only so many times you can walk into a room and tell someone they're not coming home tomorrow. And it just breaks your heart. When you hear someone screaming mommy or daddy, it just becomes too hard day in and day out to be able to do that. Now, my team is fantastic. They're, they're absolute professionals and they're wonderful. But sooner or later, it catches up to everybody.
0: That was Dr. Jason Smith talking about being exhausted by gun violence and I'm telling you tears starting to well up in my eyes that was quite passionate of the doctor to lay out the real life emotional consequences of being a medical professional that deals in the emergency room and somebody that has to see this kind type of trauma happen over and over again he is the chief medical officer for the University of Louisville Health in Kentucky He was of course referring to the bank shooting on Monday that left five people dead. The five victims were identified as Joshua Barrick, 40, Thomas Elliott, 63, Juliana Farmer, 45, and James Tuff, 64, and Deanna Eckert, 57. Before the latest death, hospital officials said nine people were injured, including three in critical condition. Here are the pictures of the victims of that tragedy. And you can see Joss and Jim, Tommy, Juliana, and Dina. Among those hurt was a 26 year old rookie police officer who was shot in the head. At a press conference Tuesday, Mayor Craig Greenberg told reporters about a new sick piece of faith in all of this. Take a look.
2: To those in the national media that are joining us here today, this may be even more shocking than it is to those of us locally who know this and are dealing with this. But under current Kentucky law, the assault rifle, that was used to murder five of our neighbors and shoot at rescuing police officers will one day be auctioned off. Think about that. That murder weapon will be back on the streets one day under Kentucky's current law.
0: I mean, Sharon, we just cannot make this stuff up. And before you weigh in here, just one aside I want the people to know a law, so I want them to know what the mayor is talking about. I mean, we obviously do a law that state passed in 1998. Prohibits law enforcement from destroying confiscated firearms. Even when they've been used in crimes, instead those firearms, including the AR-15 style rifle used in Monday's shooting at Old National Bank, are required to be sent to Kentucky State Police, which sells the weapons to federally licensed gun dealers. I'm telling you, Cher, I mean this. I mean we we can't make this up. This is not a made-for-TV movie. This is actually real life.
1: Yeah, it is. And what they're really saying is, no matter what. You will take these guns and keep them on the streets. If there's a whole law about Cassim Reed. I'm sure you know the name, former two term mayor of Atlanta had a car out here. And he said, I'm not, he just held him. He held him, said I'm not selling them. And it was a big deal and it was challenged and it was written about. I live in the state of Georgia.
0: I mean, I I can't believe somebody would challenge the mayor on that. These people, that's when you cross over into total insanity. You have lost your ever loving mind to do something like that. And to hear the mayor say this, I mean, this is an opportunity for the legislature to to take that law off the books to create a new law saying that this will not be the case. And it certainly is my hope, Sharon, that when that weapon is sold, that whoever purchases it will destroy it. Mm -hmm. You know, How about that? How about that? Yeah, I mean, I just, it's just unbelievable. And Greenberg spoke to the dangers of such laws, saying that destroying the gun would make me a criminal for trying too hard to stop the real evil criminals who are taking other people's lives and who are eager to make a spectacle of mass murder. The laws we have now are enabling violence and murder. And that point you brought up Sharon, about what Mayor Kasim Reed mm-hmm. did. This mayor is saying, wow, if I did that, you know I'm gonna get in trouble. But you know what? I remember Congressman Congressman John Lewis, one of who's, he is in the ancestral plane right now, but one of his most famous comments is making good trouble. I think that mayor will be making good trouble if he did in fact decide to do this a different way. And I'm sure that as many, there will be some forces against him, but I'm sure that there'll be many, many, many forces on his side.
1: Yeah, go ahead and arrest him. Go ahead and take him in and put him on trial. And then I'm sure on the jury, because this is what America does. You will have a mother who's lost someone to gun violence and you you get that person to go ahead and try to convict. It's really sick, it's silly, it's sick, and when are we gonna wake up? I don't know, but the fact that someone could have been killed with this weapon. And then it has to go back on the streets.
0: Yeah, really? I know, really. In America, he's right. It's just a whole spectacle. But, Mayor, I hope you do something. Even, I mean, maybe they can even go to the auction chair and outbid some, you know, whoever. Like they can get a whole bunch of people to go to auction. Yeah, get creative, Mm -hmm. get 20, 30 people to go to the auction and at least you know that that weapon nine times out of ten will go into the hands of people who are dedicated to destroying it. So hopefully they watching on the Boston and getting these tips right now, but it's just so sad. Greenberg himself, the mayor survived the shooting. At his campaign headquarters in February of 2022. Kentucky already has some of the least restrictive gun laws in the country. Kentucky has some of the least restrictive gun laws in the nation. Gun enthusiasts have described it as one of the most gun friendly states east of the Mississippi. By contrast, gun violence prevention groups like every town have billed the state's laws as among the worst in the country the country. Now, Jennifer Massa, founding staffer at the trace a nonprofit focused exclusively on gun violence. Discussed the lack of gun laws in Kentucky and this is what Jennifer had to say. Universal background checks are non existent. So you can buy a gun from a stranger and there's no record of the sale. Making it almost impossible for law enforcement to trace these weapons if they're ever used in a crime absolutely makes no sense whatsoever. We gotta register a car, why not make it sure that every single weapon is registered? Share? I mean, this really defies logic and they really are taking the second amendment, which is not absolute. But some of these folks act as though it is absolutely absolute. And most of these people, a lot of these people are Christian God, God, God loving folks who really, I think they put the gun before God.
1: I think, I- You'd be right, Senator, you'd be right. When did it get propped up on top of the Bible as religion? Yeah, the guns are religion and it's just what we're doing apparently until someone says we're not and I don't know what's gonna, what it, what will it take, right? Children, okay, synagogues, all kinds of places shot up and people dying, what's it gonna take?
0: Yeah, religious. you know. Right, grocery stores, you can't even go to the bank. I mean, where can we go? And the sad part about it is that the NRA is running roughshod over their membership. They own legislatures and and they own the Congress. The thing is the majority of gun owners believe in common sense gun reform. How could you be against common sense gun reform? I mean, they are. And then lastly, the framers could have never imagined the type of firepower that we have today even when the second amendment was placed into the constitution, they had no idea that we would have war style weapons on the streets of America today, they couldn't have known that. But what about common sense, Sharon, since some common sense kick in? I mean, we can amend the constitution, there have been many amendments to the constitution, so why wouldn't we amend it to fit the needs of today? I think because there's the will
1: to do that over well, maybe I can't stay in Congress. Maybe I'll be a one-termer. Maybe I don't get that money and that backing. You are supposed to lead people, though, and not look at it as tenure. Okay, yeah, you're supposed to. Who who represents who here is the key question. And until we rise up, you know, like our friends who are marching saying reinstate, okay, in that national story. Until we all rise up and don't let it go keep our attention there. What's gonna change here?
0: I I mean it's it's just it is ridiculous. Now laws found in more than a dozen states across the United States allow courts to temporarily revoke firearm ownership by anyone believed to be a danger to themselves or others. They too are non existent in Kentucky. Masia pointed out, the state eliminated the requirement when permitless guns was adopted. Making anyone eligible over the age of 21 able to lawfully possess a firearm to conceal their deadly weapon in public without officially demonstrating they know how to use it. I mean, this is a whole nother level of West Hale that we have entered into America. This should not be the case anyway. And then if that's not enough, according to the Giffords Law Center to prevent gun violence, there's no waiting period between the purchase of a firearm and its physical transfer to the buyer in Kentucky, whereas some states require a waiting period ranging anywhere from 72 hours to 14 days. The weapon 42 days before, or 42, excuse me, 72 hours to 14 days before the weapon is handed over. And when it comes down to it, the ease to access weapons results in, guess what? More violence, this right here, gun deaths across Kentucky in 2021 were 25% greater than in 2018, the year before permitless carry was allowed in the state. Masiya said, adding gun homicides during the same period were up 75% which she said bucks the idea advanced by gun proponents that the best solution to a bad guy or a bad gal, let's put that out there with a gun is a good guy or good gal with a gun. Sharon any final thoughts? I mean that right there, I mean we need to put an exclamation point Mm -hmm. on that right there. Yeah, we do because what you're really
1: chronicling there is a cooling off period that doesn't exist. When I when I go to buy a house, you know that due diligence period you can pull out and then it won't cost you anything. Or I don't know, you know, when you go to do an airline ticket, you know, the airlines want to gouge us. Even you get 24 hours there where you can not have to pay a penalty, but not with a gun not with a gun. And it is just loopy at this point, Senator, that they are legislating
0: death and mm. carnage.
1: That's really what they're mm.
0: doing. Mm. Oh My God, I, legislating death, I, it, I, you, you laid that. Well, our hearts go out to and we need some action. But Sharon and I will say thoughts and prayers cuz I still believe yeah. in thoughts and prayers yeah, coupled with some action. Faith without works is dead and we got to keep pushing against these laws. Kentucky, y'all need some help. We're going to let that marinate. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the show. We have some comments that we want to read. My favorite part of the show. Let me get amped up like I usually am about this time. And we're going to start with our TYT members, left tricep the fury. I love that, hey, left tricep, this is beautiful. Nina, I'm hyper psyched, get to see your show live. Thank you, left tricep of fury and added plus is having Sharon on too. It's a good day, indeed, indeed. I feel the same way you do, left tricep of fury, <laughs> that is a beautiful, beautiful handle. I'm loving it. it and then on Twitch, ghost dog TV. When you understand that the Republican Party is a political mafia, you also understand why they oppose traceability and consequences. Their goals are explicitly illegal and seditious. All right, ghost dog, I can't argue with you there. And thumbs, hey thumbs, welcome to the super chat, YouTube super chat. Love you, Miss Nina, sending that love right back to you, darling. We appreciate each and every one of you for watching us live. We had a little, little glitch there, but we are back. And now we're going to go to something that is absolutely fantastic. We went from tragic, and if you all weren't touched, I mean, Sharon and I were talking about in the break how that doctor really sealed it. If we had not said anything else, about the tragedy that happened in Louisville, just hearing what that doctor said, the chief medical officer had to say, that that sealed it. We gotta do something about this tragedy that is happening in the United States of America, and this problem can't be solved. We need more elected officials with some intestinal fortitude, and we need them not to be controlled by their owner donors. Let me get a hello somebody, y'all put a hello somebody in the comments if you agree. Oh, we going to a local church, medical debt should not be a burden, but sadly it is. Watch this. At one point, remember
2: facing the fact that I could either go rack up more medical bills or I could just try to care for myself at home.
1: My doctor found um, what she thought was maybe a knot or something in one of my breasts.
0: Turns out in 2015, I ended up needing to have back surgery.
1: I ended up in
2: the hospital for about three days and, of course, That was more of a medical bill than,
1: you know, I had been originally trying to avoid. And she sent me to have a mammogram. They decided to do an ultrasound instead. And so it resulted in me getting um, an almost $500 bill
0: some months later. In several different hospitals, I was transferred to like three different hospitals. I I assume I was close to $500,000 in debt after all was said and done. Uh, Those are everyday people. Those are our neighbors, our play cousins, cousins, friends, all of us know somebody who has medical debt. Shouldn't be that way in this country, but a church in Davidson County, North Carolina, and we want to thank rest in peace medical debt for those testimonials. The church in Davidson County, North Carolina recognizes the burden of medical debt and has done something about it in a major way. Church forgives 3 million in medical debt, For Davidson County residents, more than 3,000 Davidson County residents no longer have to worry about being hassled by debt collectors after a local church recently purchased and forgave almost 3 million in their medical debt. The church even held a ceremony to acknowledge this momentous show of community strength as they literally burned the debt, look at that beautiful sight, that is something that's the thing of you that's the kind of fire we want right there, go ahead on church. Sharon, I don't know, it's just something, it's something spiritual about a church actually doing what I believe the church should be doing.
1: You think this is what this should be their testimony and I was just thinking, the only thing missing is some marshmallows and let's just get this party started, okay? Can you imagine if the U.S. Treasury said, "We forgive, we'll sponsor one last war, and we will forgive your medical debt"? They could look at take it from the church.
0: Take it from the church. There it is. Yes, some marshmallows mm-hmm. and some burning of the debt yes. that goes that goes together. The medical. This is the second year the members of Trinity Moravian Church in Winston Salem have taken on debt on the debt jubilee project which focuses on paying off the past due medical bills of residents in in the triad last year the group purchased 1.65 million worth of debt for 1356 people in foresight and davison county Reverend John Jackman, who is the pastor of the church, said the following, the medical system is so broken. Most of these families were making it a go, making a go of it until someone has to go into the hospital for a few days or to the doctor for a serious medical condition. We can't fix the system. So this is something we can do. And you know what? Sisters and brothers, family and friends, Reverend Jackman is absolutely right. The medical system in this country is broken. We pay more for health care than any other industrialized nation in the world. And our health outcomes are the worst. Every other industrialized nation has some type of universal health care. But not here in the good old US of A. We really don't have a health care system, Sharon, in my estimation. We have a sick care system. We do. My
1: mother was in the hospital for, for many months. And you know the worst we feared. And I remember when she finally got out, Senator. The the nurse told me take everything. I said, what do you mean take everything? Take the pillows, the gloves, you know, everything that you. Can, it's not nailed down. I said, why would I do that? Because you already paid for it. And then wow. when you look at the bill, that is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Yeah. It's astonishing. Every band aid It's astonishing. Okay, we've got to do better. We got to do better, you yeah. know. I just don't know where we start, but maybe call Canada and some other places and <laughs> say, "Well, how did? You, what What do you think?"
0: Yeah, and uh, you know, a lot. Speaking of Canada and people who come from other industrialized countries that do have universal health care, they look at us like we're out of our minds. Mm-hmm. And they rightfully so. Yeah, we are. Wow, that nurse told you to take everything. Take everything. You already paid for mm-hmm. it. I took some things too, but you know, we paid for it. Well, you paid for and it. That's right. It true. I love that, I mean, that nurse is telling the truth about that. But the Debt Jubilee Project, and we need more of this. So it's good to see the civic based stuff, but we need the United States of America. As the pastor laid out, he said, we can't change the system. We're just doing what we can do. you know. So as we continue to have churches and other organizations like them do what they can do, ultimately, we need the United States of America to ensure that we have universal health care. The Debt Jubilee Project has partnered with Rest in Peace Medical Debt, and that's the video that that you saw play earlier in the segment in New York to purchase and forgive medical debt in the area. In the past three months, the campaign raised over $15,000 in cash, which was used to purchase nearly 3.3 million in medical debt in Davidson. Davies and Yen- Yadkin counties. In Davidson County, over 3,000 people had 2.9 million in debt abolished approximately $954 per person. And here are some stats showing just how many Americans are burdened by medical debt. The story, the personal story that Sharon shared with us, many hundreds of thousands of people all over this country, millions, let me not even say hundreds of thousands of people can relate to that story in some form of fashion, either directly or indirectly. But according to rest in peace or arrest, rest in peace medical debt. Here's some of the stats. Every day one in two Americans choose between paying medical bills and covering basic needs. Nearly 50% of US adult delayed or skipped medical care due to high cost. And we heard one of those uh, testimonials say, I had to go home and make a decision, what was I going to do? And nearly 50% of US adults wouldn't be able to afford an unexpected $500 bill. And two thirds of bankruptcies cite medical debt as the leading cause. So again, thank you, rest in peace, medical debt. Uh, This is a great story in terms of having a church step up and collaborate and organize with a civic based organization. All of this is really, really good. But let us not forget what Reverend Jackman said. We can't change the system, we just doing what we can. Ultimately, we need systemic change in this country when it comes to having universal care. sharing. And I don't understand, Medicare is one of the most popular social programs in this country. You try to go take a a, a seniors or elder or season person um, Medicare, they're going to grasp you down. It is very successful, it needs to be expanded so that they have dental and vision and hearing because believe it or not, they don't have that. But why not expand it to cover all of those things and then expand it so that all Americans have healthcare?
1: Because I think they're making a calculation. You ever notice that when some people, if you have the luxury, you have those long term care policies, ever wonder why they only go 18 months? Because you're not gonna be here after 18 months. They've done the math, they figured it out, the life insurance policy. They're always going to win because that's what they determine it on. The American healthcare system, we're going to outpaper you and you're not gonna get the benefits and you're not gonna get the healthcare. And you're going to, that mother who finds the lump in her breast and makes the determination, I I won't be able to pay my kids food, this, that. And then within six months, what's gonna happen to her anyway? So these are the determinations that have been made and it's corporate and it's for profit and it's just sad because we could be a stronger nation and a stronger people if we just stay healthy and help others be healthy in all ways, mentally,
0: physically. That to be a will to do it. Amen to, amen to that. The commodification of healthcare should not be in the United States of America. Come on, America, we can do better. You deserve better than this. Uh, union news, we're going to keep rolling with some good news. Power to the people. Take a look at the scene that unfolded outside Rutgers University in New Jersey on Tuesday. <laughs> Thank you, Eric Blanc, for that video. They jamming sharing it. No, no, they wear a I'm Man, to strike. And I have a little music with my strike. <laughs> So about 9,000 union members of the university announced a strike on Sunday, And baby, if you got a strike, that's how you do it. And those union members include members of Rutgers, American Association of University Professors, American Federation of Teachers, Rutgers Adjunct Faculty Union, AAUP, Biomedical and Health Sciences of New Jersey. This is really good, this reporting is coming from the Common Dreams. And the unions represent full time faculty. faculty adjunct lecturers and the faculty of the university's medical, dental, nursing and public health schools. It is so good to see that collaboration and that solidarity across uh, labor unions. And the, the the, the negotiations have been brewing for months, but Still no contract, unfortunately. The workers have been negotiating with the school since last July and are calling for changes, including a 20% pay increase over four years for full time professors. A minimum salary of $37,000 and some change for graduate workers. Guaranteed funding for teaching assistants and graduate students, an increase for new parents, release time to 14 weeks, and equal pay Pay for equal work for adjunct instructors, amen, who they said should be paid and eligible for benefits equal to those given to non tenured track faculty. And I agree with them on that, Sharon. I, before I was tenured at Cuyahoga Community College, which wow, I know you remember of well, I do. Cuyahoga, where, where <laughs> futures begin. That's, that's my, right. That's my institution. I actually <laughs> got my start there. I started my college journey at that community college. But you know, I adjunct before I was on the mm-hmm. tenure track and then ultimately I gained tenure there and adjunct faculty, I mean, they work extraordinarily hard. They work the same as regular faculty at colleges and universities. So I'm really glad to see that at least in the negotiations, what they are pushing for is very inclusive.
1: Yes, it is. And it's also not that much mm-hmm. Cuyahoga, community college got something special in you. Why shouldn't these institutions pay a little bit? You would think running down that list because they're asking for, again, I think it's so little, you'd be bitter after all this time we've been, they're not bitter. That's what I liked about how you opened this. They're having a party, we're here to stay. We just wanna hold you accountable and get what's fair. We're not, not stop this lie about you
0: know this unions,
1: they just want what's fair. And that list you read is
0: just, So fair. That's it, Sharon. Fair. That's all they're asking for is fair. And of course, you know, a lot of people are weighing in on this, Sharon. A lot of people, both great and small people who are known and unknown. But one of the known personalities weighing in on this is Bernard Sanders from the great state of Vermont. And the senator tweeted this out I stand in solidarity with the 9,000. R U A A U P faculty and graduate student workers on strike at Rutgers University. These workers deserve a good contract with fair pay and benefits now. Yes, that kind of gives you a boost when you have somebody like Senator Bernard Sanders saying to the world and saying to folks, I'm, I'm standing with these everyday workers and it's so good to see it. And you know what, when people get discouraged, they got to go back and play that video. I, and and you know, going on strike is a sacrifice. I think people forget that sometimes they don't get any pay at all, not even the little bit of pay that they do get. And you don't get any benefits either. I mean, when you go on strike, you really are making a grand sacrifice
1: yeah you are and i know that you know members of congress and thank you for you know senator sanders there are tend to be wealthier but not all of them there's so That's many right. members of congress i don't know why he's the one who has to tweet that out that support and doesn't have anybody else to say you know what i second that i'm right there or travel there because there are members there are members who grew up in union families and single parent families, just trying to make ends meet and live that American dream. And it's just so hard when you have corporate greed and they're in your pockets and in your campaign funds that you don't wanna do anything.
0: Yeah, it is extraordinarily hard. Well, thank God that Senator Bernard Sanders doesn't take that kind of money. He don't have to answer to owner donors in both of our campaigns 2016 and 2020 raised grassroots money shocked the entire political world because they did not think it could be done. That's right, Sharon, it can be done where there is a will, there is a way. And speaking of way, some workers, Still struggle in this country deal to even get a union started in the first place. And one of those companies that are being affected is Apple. That's right, Apple is continuing. That favorite gadget and projects products, we got the iPhone, the iPad, the MacBook, and all of that stuff that we are now addicted to. Apple, one of our favorite companies to enjoy their products are standing in the way of workers unionizing. Over the past two weeks, managers at Apple's roughly 270 US retail outlets held meetings with staff members to discuss the risk of unionization and provide a planned update on bargaining between the company and the first unionized store, a location in Tolson, Maryland, ain't that something trying to scare people from unionizing? And Apple withdrew new benefits, can you all believe this? From unionized locations, drawing outcry from labor, labor uh, activists. So this is punishment for people engaging in organizing. And that is why we really need the PRO Act to have passed in the 117th. General Assembly, you all may recall me talking about that ad nauseum. On this show, we're gonna continue to talk about how this Congress and that president failed to get that bill passed so that workers can organize without fear of what is happening to them at the hands of Apple. And the Department of Justice needs to step in here. Now there comes a time where the federal government has to use the carrot and the stick. Right now, what what Apple's doing, they need to use a stick on their behind. Now Apple's first unionized workers say the company is withholding new Benefits Organizers at Apple's first unionized store in the US say the company is withholding details about the benefits is given other workers and spreading misinformation. Of course, they're doing that because they want to divide and conquer. Managers told workers that the union representing Tosin employees, International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers or IAM is requesting dues that amount to 1.5 percent of pay. Manager said that that amount of money could quickly add up over time, and the employees who don't comply with the payment could be terminated within a month based on the union's proposal. Man, this, this ain't nothing but divide and conquer and using scare tactics. And so these anti-union efforts have so far appeared to work because only two, Sharon, only two Apple stores have unionized, and that's T- uh, Tolson and Oklahoma City.
1: It is a shame and when you mention the federal government, what I hear is organized bullying and retaliation here that should be dealt with under the law. It really should be. Right. And every time these companies, you know, whether it's Starbucks or anybody else, gets threatened, you know, with unionization, you tend to get this this other lie. And sometimes it comes from the top where they say, Senator, oh no, we're we're committed, we're doing this, we want to do this, we value our workers. Stop putting out your statements and lies and just pay people and give them benefits. That's again
0: what's fair. It's just that simple, Sharon. And some reports have come out showing that some of these companies spend more on lobbyists to stop unionization than they and they could use that same money. And as you just said, just give your employees a raise and let them organize. What's wrong with people who help your company to grow and keep it functioning, what's wrong with them being able to sit across the table from management and collectively bargain for better benefits, better wages and better work conditions. It just does not make a whole lot of sense to me and that's why we need the feds to step in because it's happening too often when too many corporations feel as though they can get away with this because there has not been any repercussions and consequences. That's why I believe we need mamas running this stuff. I'm talking about real mamas. Amen, big mamas, all that. Big mamas, yeah, (laughs) running this stuff, Mm cuz they would make sure there were some repercussions and consequences. And you'd only
1: have to hear it one time. One time. Big mama tells you, and then she says, well, I can show you better than I tell you. It's not gonna be repeated. Ain't gonna be. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Repeat it. <laughs> yes, big mamas all over the world need to come on and run this thing. So, you know, but there is some good news. So, Shane and I were laying out, you know, what's happening in this country right now when it comes to unions, but we're going to throw out some good news right now. Check out this headline from Bloomberg. Unions report key membership gains in 2022 filings. So, even though you have corporations such as Starbucks and Apple and Amazon and others who are trying to stand in the way of workers unionizing, Unions are still growing. More than two dozen groups surveyed saw gains. Annual union disclosures to the US Department of Labor offer the most detailed look yet, yet at how labor groups have flourished and struggled in post pandemic economy. More than 50 groups that filed membership and financial disclosures in the past month reported a collective net membership increase of 3% and various groups saw increases But two saw dips, and that's okay, we're gonna keep on pushing. Let's put up this graph right here, union membership. The percentage change from 2021 to 2022. We see the United Farm Workers dipped a little bit, but everybody else is, is going in the right direction. And we hope that the United Farm Workers, hell, we need to make sure the farm workers are taken care of. Hello, somebody, make sure that they are going in the right direction. So unionization, whether or not you are in the union, not folks. Unions help to lift wages of every other body. Okay, every other worker in this country. So we need to be in support of that. Oh, we moving on to WTF neoliberal time. Another day, another Democratic mayoral candidate has me saying WTF neoliberals. We will now
2: kneel. Miss Cinema, Miss Cinema, no. You have a problem figuring out whether you're for me Trump, and you ain't black.
1: Where Philadelphia trucks some of its trash has spurred accusations of pollution and environmental racism, specifically from the residents of Chester. Would you, as mayor, keep or change the existing waste disposal contracts?
2: So, um- I, I really don't. I'm not sure, mm-hmm. because I'd, I would bid it out, but I'm not sure if that changes it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but Chester is Chester. I'm worried about Philadelphians and, ha- and how their lives are. And so what will come first to me is what would be best for my Philadelphians. So you don't care about Chester? I the, do the, the care. The trash that's coming from Philadelphia- I do care, but they, I don't work for them is, if I'm the mayor. Is, I work for Philadelphia. No. And the trash has to go somewhere. And whoever gets it's going to be unhappy with it. Well,
1: that's, that's not really this an is appropriate answer, but we well, can okay.
0: discuss it. That response is the same way you you treat the black and brown community. Okay, thank you, you very you much. That's, that's, you very much. Jeff Cole, you
2: have the next question.
0: Yep, there it is, WTF neoliberal, this is a democratic stage. I wanna remind y'all folks that these are democrats. This person is a democrat running in the primary, said he really doesn't care. As if people in Philadelphia don't have family, friends, even frenemies in that next city over, it makes no sense whatsoever. So you just watch those candidates and it was so good to see other candidates weigh in and say, hold up, wait a minute. But it was businessman Jeff Brown who really took a whooping on this, an ass whooping on this to be exact, which came rightfully so after his defense of shipping trash to a majority black suburb of Chester. Really doesn't care. He made it. I guess, Sharon, for me, the, the high point of this low point was that the man told the truth and he exposed who he really is. And so often voters don't get a chance to see who elected officials really are until they've elected them.
1: He might as well have been naked up on that stage. And might I say this, you never know who you're gonna offend when you say something like that. Yes. My grandmother Tillman Street, Chester PA, very proud. House is still there today and I resent this, okay? On behalf of everybody who is a good person in Chester, PA, who wants and desires the same things that a Philadelphian or another community does. What he said was trashy and rotten to the core, stank, and it needs to be exposed.
0: There it is. Stank. And you're right, you never know who you are offending. But he said that stuff so coolly, so calmly, so cavalierly. And I like how the other. Uh, mayoral candidate <laughs> just laid it out there. What you just yeah. said is how you're going to treat black and brown people. Let I me mean, get away from him. Can you yeah. move this me that- one podium over? Yeah. Right. This is how he rolling. This is mm-hmm. who he really, really is. And there were many candidates on the debate stage. Let's put up the candidates that were there. You got Rep A. Man Brown, businessman Jeff Brown, former city controller Rebecca Reinhardt, former Philadelphia City Council members Alan Dome, Derek Green, Helen Gim. And Sherelle Parker, so all of those people looked very outraged by what happened on that stage with Jeff Brown. And now it's not like Jeff Brown was blindsided by the question, because the trash issue has been going on and has been an issue for Chester for a very long time, for years. And per this PBS headline from 2020, public pressure mounts against Chester incinerator as environmental racism claims pile up. Public awareness is mounting against the Covanta incinerator in Chester as the latest public hearing place environmental justice concerns in the limelight as well they should be. Now, Chester has a majority black population which you can see by this map that we are about to show you. There it is, right there, majority black, that is the fact, those are the facts. And maybe Jeff Brown doesn't care because it is majority black. But let's say majority whatever, put your ethnic and or racial group in there. What this man said was absolutely wrong. It was trashy as Sharon laid out. And the landfill is smack dab in the middle of the red blob, meaning it's right smack in the middle of the black community. What What is being done for the people of Chester is slow violence on the black community. There's no other way to describe this. And why was an incinerator placed in the African American community in the first place? Well, Sharon, we all know why.
1: Because mm-hmm, we can. What's next? Build a highway through it? Oh, too late, you know? Because we can, is the simple answer. And until people who don't look like us, who aren't black and brown, or as you said, substitute another ethnicity, race, till they stand up and do what's right,
0: this continues. Yeah, it does. It does. It's obscene. And Jeff Brown is fine with this community suffering. Remember, remember. He said this, his own words. And the trash has
2: to go somewhere. And whoever gets it's going to be unhappy with it.
0: Yep, the man said and the trash has to go somewhere. And there it is. Philadelphia, y'all can do better. Y'all need not put this man in office, all right? You you've heard from him or in his own words. Now we're going to go to another good news story with the remaining minutes we have left in the show. The little tree deck could a Virginia man figured out a way to get his city's attention after his request to fix a pothole where a potholes were ignored? Take a look here, and this is in the middle of the street here. The man had been asking the city and to fix this pothole for a very long time, they neglected to do so and he said, you know what? The hell with it! I'm gonna go ahead and plant a tree in this pothole if y'all ain't gonna come <laughs> and fix it. And you see the words, I mean the letters, R I P. Rest in peace. So Josh Anderson from Hopewell, Virginia, made complaints to his city for years to fix that pothole, and those requests fell. They nobody, they wouldn't do anything. Look, <laughs> and he took matters into his own hands. A Virginia man might have finally figured out a way to get the city to fix a pothole. And this goes viral on TikTok, no surprise there. While Josh wasn't the one that posted the initial TikTok, the new viral video with 15 million views got the attention of a local news station. I was leaving to go back to work, I hit a, I hit the hole, I backed up, feel the mm-hmm. back of the dirt with a truck with dirt dumped it in there and stuck the plant in there and that's Josh Anderson saying baby this is how I got this done Anderson told WTVR that the city had removed his tree from the road by the time he returned home from work so he planted another tree in the pothole <laughs> and this <laughs> time attached christmas lights to it that And the viral attention may have finally convinced the city to take action. And in Josh's words, as many times as I went to ask to get it done and nothing's been done about it. And as soon as I make a TikTok and put it on (laughs) the web page with a tree in it, within 24 hours they had a crew out there fixing it. I mean, Sharon, this This is lovely. He need his own lifetime movie from doing that. So that's what it is, America, if you want your city to fix your pothole sooner and quicker, just go ahead and plant a tree and record a video. I
1: kept thinking and it was lovely. I think it was lovely landscaping and I was thinking, was well, Virginia warm enough for maybe some citrus trees next time and everyone can get bear some fruit you know, from the tree in the neighborhood or the city could do their job. The city could do their job, if not, that's lovely, it's lovely, Senator.
0: <laughs> it is lovely, Look at the workers. how creative, but you know that's something how he said they moved dirt, didn't fix the hole mm-hmm. and he had to go back and do the same thing over again. Nonsense, nonsense, but well, Josh, baby, you cracked the code on this. <laughs> good for you and good for each and every one of you for joining, sharing and myself on Unbossed today. We really do truly appreciate you. Now you know what we want you to do about this time so much, so much, so much. We want you to keep the faith. But more importantly, we want you to keep the fight until next time.
1: Thanks for listening to Unbossed. If you like the show, then you'll enjoy our other podcasts on TYT Network, like The Damage Report with John Idarola Indisputable with Dr. Rashad Ritchie, and The Young Turks. Make sure to listen and follow. And if you like what you hear, give us a five-star rating.